Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And it's our end of the year episode. Whoa. End of 2019. <laughs> Woo! It's <laughs> um, a decade. Yeah, this is unbelievable. I, I never thought to start this year we'd have uh, started this podcast, but here we are. Here we are. Here we are. 2019, given our top 10 best and worst of the year. Yes. So, what's important to remember before we start this is, number one, we've not seen everything. No. We, we've not no. seen every film that was released we this can't. year. We can't. It's uh, we've seen a lot. We, we've seen a lot of what's been released this year, but um, there's stuff like uh, The Lion King we didn't see. Yeah, Aladdin. Aladdin we didn't see. Um... We didn't see... Uh, Ford versus Ferrari. We didn't know. We haven't um, seen Little Women. Yeah. Um, Little Women we're going to go watch soon. Jumanji. But, um, I mean, yeah, the, there's all these films we haven't seen, but these are everything that we have seen that we think is the best and worst of the year. Yeah. Uh, another thing to remember is these are the films we watched in 2019. So we go to Fright Fest every year. Um, this year we went to the London one in August and the Halloween all day. So we are going to include stuff that we watched there that necessi- not hasn't necessarily been released in the UK as of yet or anywhere. Yeah. Um, so these films are yet, they could be released next year. They might not ever get a distribution deal. That's the thing with uh, Fright Fest is there's a lot of films there that don't end up getting any sort yeah. of release uh, here in the UK. I'm not sure about America or or, or whatnot, but the, they don't get released here. There's some big name films, but you know they're filling five days of films. You know, so it's they're not always going to be well known. But we've watched them this year. We're going to give you our opinions. Yeah, on we had them. to sit for them, so we're going to include them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and and if well, um, if any of them take your fancy. You can try and find some way of uh, yes. watching legally. Uh, Did you say watch, illegally? No, legally, oh. not illegally. <laughs> legally watching them. Um, but yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to focus mainly on horror. Um, we're going to do our 10 worst then best horrors of the year. And the way we're going to do this is I'm going to say one, Chris is going to say one. Some of them are probably going to be the same. So we'll figure it out when we get to it. And then we're going to do an honourable mentions of the non-horror films that are in our top tens of the year. Sound good? Yeah. Okay, so, the worst horror films of 2019. Would you like to go first or you want me to? Are we going from ten to one? Yeah. Yeah? So you, you go first. Yeah, in at number ten for me, very disappointing, the Jim Jarmusch film, The Dead Don't Die, <gasps> starring Bill Murray. <sighs> uh, I don't think this was that well-received. Um, starring Bill By Murray, me it was. <laughs> Adam Driver, and Tilda Swinton. Um, I was just really disappointed by this one. I, I thought it was a bit boring. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't particularly funny, and I, I didn't really get the humor. And I, I understood it was meant to be a, a zombie comedy, um, but I didn't find it particularly funny. I think the best part about it was Tilda. She was, yeah, something. she did play a good role, and, and you know, you've you got some cracking actors there, but they were a bit wasted, if I'm being honest. I, I didn't, just didn't get it. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, no more to say on that. No, not really, no. I, you'll find with a lot of these films, I, I do, when we do our podcasts, we watch the film, we take our notes, 
and you know we we go through them piece by piece and and discuss them a lot of these films particularly with the worst of the year i ain't gonna remember that much about them which no. is why they're on my I think worst of the year list they become more memorable as you get into the top five yeah when they when it's true i mean that's not to say the dead don't die is trash it's not dog shit essentially um it was just for me really disappointing and just not 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 memorable yeah no i'm thinking about it, i can't remember a lot about it no no the main thing i remember is tilda swinton yeah yeah and that and star always... wars joke with adam driver yeah that's pretty much it yeah it's very meta it was trying to be meta uh yeah coming in at mine number 10 is trick yeah I know this is on your list. This is on my so list. We'll, we'll get to your thoughts in a second. Okay. For me, I was fucking fuming because anyone who knows me knows how much I love Tom Atkins. Tom Atkins was in this film, but he was wasted. Like, he was in... Piss? No, no. I mean, it would have been a lot more entertaining if he was. <laughs> he was just in a number of scenes that didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it was frustrating. And it's from the director of My Bloody Valentine 3D, a film that I actually love. I, I think that's a great film, it's great a slasher film. film. I it is. I remember watching that in cinema. Um, I believe they also made Jason X. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's some sort of involvement with Jason X. They definitely directed Drive Angry, which is another guilty pleasure of mine. <laughs> no, um, but the first five minutes were fantastic. You know, the first five minutes, I was sold. I, I thought this was going to be a fantastic slasher film. But then it turned into CSI. It was like a fucking police drama for the rest of the film. I don't, I don't understand what they were trying to do with it. It just got really, really complicated and lost all fun or any any sort of fun that could have been had with it. It's by the end, it was very convoluted. Yeah, it? yeah, it really was, and I, that was a fright fest film, the Halloween all day. And by that point, we thought, oh, do you know what? We've had so many shit films today. Now it's uh, finally time to watch a good film. And we couldn't have been any more wrong. Yeah. Yeah, very dis- when, Yeah, disappointing. Yeah. Really. What's your number nine? Number nine for me is Red Letter Day. <laughs> uh, so this is another Fright Fest film. You'll, you'll find a lot of the, 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 the bottom of the list, uh, of the, the worst of the year lists will be full of Fright Fest films. Which is a shame because last year was fantastic at Fright Fest. You're not going to get, you know, like I said earlier, you know, this is five days these P organisers have to fill. You're Not all of them are going to be classics. No. There are going to be some that are real rough. This was a particularly rough year. Yeah. Um, a lot of these films as well, I probably wouldn't have gone out to watch if it wasn't at Fright Fest. No. Anyway, if it had a wide release, um, I wouldn't have gone out to watch them. So the, 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 they wouldn't have been on my radar, really. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Red Letter Day was... The story's essentially uh, these suburban neighbours get red letters through their door telling them that... They need to kill somebody, one of their neighbours. Um, or they're going to... Essentially, the neighbours are chosen in pairs. If one doesn't kill the other one, then that one will kill them. That's what they're told in this letter. So, I don't know what they were trying to do. You kind of look like a purge ripoff. 
A little bit, yeah. Meets neighbours. Yeah, meets neighbours on a fairly low budget. Like, this looks like a made-for-TV film. Yeah, it, it it's, yeah. A, a lot of the films are Fright Fest this year. It yeah. Looked, it looked like a made-for-TV film. And the acting was so bad to the point that it looked like the mum and the son were going to kiss yeah. at a number of moments, but it wasn't any incest in the film. It was really, really weird. I don't remember much about this film. The, do you remember the son in it? He was fucking he annoying. He was bad. He was very he bad. He was just, oh my, he was he so was obnoxious. A couple of fairly good gore moments, but like, overall forgettable. Yeah. Apart from the premise, which I just really struggled to give to you anyway, so... Yeah, and it's, it's, you know what? it's not that bad a premise. It could have been executed way better than it actually was. Yeah. And yeah. they had these stupid fucking masks as well. Do you remember the killers in it? They Well, not the killers, the people running it, who were like... Trying to be hacking anonymous. The internet. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. God. Yeah. Yes. It's not on my list, but I completely agree. It was awful. Uh, number nine for me is a film you haven't seen. It's Free From Hell. Ah, uh, yes. I... You know, I wanted to be a good boyfriend and not put you through it. Um, yeah. This didn't need to happen. It, it didn't need to happen at all. You had House of Vows and Corpses was great. Devil's Rejects was great. They died at the end of Devil's Rejects. There's no way around that. They got shot to death. That's the end of those films. That should have been left there. A great duo of films. Didn't need to be continued. But... Rob Zombie saw Dollar Signs and now we have Free From Hell. It doesn't explain how they survived. It, it doesn't explain how they survived the shooting. Um, and, and, you know, poor Sid Haig, he died shortly after filming his small role in this. He was going to be in the film as a whole, but um, obviously with him being so ill, they had to rewrite his parts for a new character. Um, this shows... This really, really does show in the film. It's so obvious. Um, you know, poor Sid Hay, he gets a couple of seconds at the start of the film in a little cameo, and then he gets put to death. Like, why weren't the other characters put to death, you know, by lethal injection? Why, why wasn't that the case with them? Why did they survive? If anything, Captain Spaulding did the least out of everybody in the previous two films. You know, he, he he wasn't the one fucking raping people in motel rooms and shit. But, you know, he got killed first. But surely it, the, the whole premise is... It's called Three from Hell. So, essentially, the whole premise is that they've been to hell and back. Isn't it? No. Well, probably. Oh, probably. Gonna probably. Go, like, no, the, no, no, no. They probably would have been better if they did. But, uh, no, the they say at the start of the film... They were shot uh, multiple times by police and somehow they survived. That's it. Oh. No explanation as to how they survived. Oh. That Somehow they survived. It's bullshit. And they, we get a new character who's essentially Bill Mosley II and he's doing all of the lines that would have been there for Sid Haig if he was in the film. Um, Isn't Dee Wallace in this? Dee Wallace is in this playing an obnoxious prison guard who just calls Sherry Moon Zombie a bitch a couple of times. Um... You get your typical Rob Zombie dialogue, pussy this, cunt that, twat this, twat that. Oh, my God. You know, classic Rob Zombie. Um, Sherry Moon Zombie hams it up so much more than usual. Like, even to the point... There's a bit in, this, in the film where Bill Mosley's like, 
yeah, no, she's not acting like herself. No shit, she ain't acting like herself. She's really hamming it up. You get a weird artsy scene where she watches a cat or a rabbit or something playing her. Oh, it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. It, and the, the premise is basically Devil's Rejects. They, I mean, the only difference is they break out of prison. They break out of prison and they go on their road trip. The same as Devil's Rejects. It's fucking bullshit. I can't believe this is in some people's top fives of the year. I'm, you know, no shade. I'm not gonna mention any names or anything. But there's, I've seen a couple of lists with this in their top five. I think they need to rewatch it. Either that or they haven't seen many films this year. I'm glad I didn't watch it. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I don't rate the first two films that highly anyway. But they were good films. You surely you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They weren't masterpieces or anything. They are in comparison to this. Trust yeah. me. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I can set out, piece of shit. <laughs> so my number eight pick was Trick. <laughs> so, as Gary said, just... I think it's the really premise. Can you do, have you got the premise for No, that? I haven't. I can't remember. You've deliberately done that because I cannot remember. Something about somebody goes crazy at a party... Somebody yeah, goes, that's somebody, the first five minutes. The yeah, best five somebody, minutes of the film. Somebody goes crazy at a party and then suddenly becomes some sort of cult figure. <laughs> and then they think he's returned each year to strike again on Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't fucking know. It was boring. So boring. Convoluted. Uh, someone like Tom Atkins was completely wasted in it. Jamie Kennedy. Was in it as well, weren't he? Well, <laughs> he wasn't wasted, uh, but yeah, just 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 a bit shit, a bit forgettable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much, there's not much that can be said about it. No. Um, my number eight is something I know is also on your list. We summon the darkness. Yes. Another fright first film from that same day. <laughs> How many films on your list are from that Halloween or Dare at fright first? Oh, it's just those two. I can't remember which one's which. Yeah, just those two. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. I, yeah, but that's two films out of a day that was showing six films. Yeah. We only saw one good film that day. Scare Package. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Everything else was dog shit. Yeah. I mean, that Carol Kane one, which was an actual Carol Kane, but a girl that like Carol Kane, as an episode of... Um, into the Dark, I think it was called. Like that. that was borderline right. okay. Yeah. That was, but every cast was fucking terrible. Um, yeah, We Summon the Darkness is another cult film. We've had a lot of films involving cults this year. Um, it's essentially girls going on a road trip somewhere and they pick up these guys, get sore. We're going to see a rock band. Yeah. Johnny Knoxville plays a priest. And he hams it up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not exactly a good performance by him. I've realised this year I really hate Johnny Knoxville. He's not an actor anyway. He's famous no. for getting hit in the balls. What else did we watch him in that he was shitting? John Waters' film. Oh, oh Dirty Shame. Dirty Shame. Yeah. yeah, I don't like Johnny Knoxville anymore. I, I don't know if I ever did, if I'm honest. I, I mean, used to watch Jackass. I mean, there's Jackass and there's that film where he pretended to be a disabled person. The Ringer. Um, you know, height of his career. Um, yeah, with some of the dinosaurs, also stars, star of Texas Chainsaw 3D, 
Alexandro Dario. <laughs> Do you think us? Yeah. She's just as bad in this as she was in that. I don't know how she's still getting work. I don't know how people are still hiring her. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She's a beautiful girl. You know, gotta get your money. Oh my God. She cannot fucking act. Gotta get some work. But is anyone going to realise that she can't act? Like, yeah. The acting in general, all of it is terrible. There's a twist halfway through. I actually didn't see coming, but didn't make the film any better for me. Just fucking shit. It was just awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll leave that for you for when you get to it. So yeah, my mine's on my list. What's um, next for you? So it's a seven. Yes. So number seven for me is Killer Sofa. Masterpiece. <laughs> Dog shit. Um, it's essentially what it says in the title. Yeah. It's about a killer sofa, which isn't even a fucking sofa. It's a reclining chair? It's a reclining chair, so it's not even a fucking sofa. What upset you the most in this film, and did it involve a kettle? What? <laughs> what upset you most in this film, and why did it involve a kettle? What upset... Oh! She... <laughs> this the woman, and, and, and she, she's really feeling her oats at the time... She goes to sit on the chair. It's not a fucking sofa, it's a chair. Reclining chair that she's found in a dumpster or something. I can't she bought Someone found it in a dumpster and she bought it. She fell in love with it. It's ugly as fuck. And uh, she has a tea bag in a mug. Yeah. One of, and she takes the kettle and puts it next to the chair and then pours the fucking tea... <laughs> Right next to the chair and just leaves the kettle there. Who the fuck does that? <laughs> the fuck? Was that written in the script? Was that in the screenplay? It must have been. She takes the kettle from the kitchen, <laughs> lays it next to her, and then pours the tea from there. Just leaving the kettle. <laughs> shit. It was really shit. It, obviously, it was meant to be tongue-in-cheek, but it was boring. It wasn't funny. It was stupid. I swear the detectives had really dumb names as well. Oh. It was like porridge and something oh, like that. Oh, yeah, was... yeah, yeah. It was just... I don't, I don't get what the joke was meant to be. You know, there's plenty of inanimate objects come to life films. Well, you get films like Sharknado where you can tell they're... You know, they've watched Troll 2 once and they're trying to be so bad they're good so they get a court following. But this, but I didn't feel I don't like know if this was trying was. to be bad. I, I gen- there's moments in this film where I thought, are you actually trying to be a good film? I think this was trying to be a funny film. And I think it tried too hard. Yeah. Um, but it also tried to, you know, be a horror film. It's like... But being like... I don't know. I don't know what it was it's trying to do. It's a slasher film with a chair. And it's frustrating. It, it just wasn't. It wasn't funny. I just didn't. I just didn't like it. It was stupid. It was essentially a, sl- a slasher comedy of a chair. And yeah. yeah, but it, just it was possessed. By the way, the chair's possessed. Well, no, no. Okay, I won't give a spoiler away because it is. I think it is quite widely available. Yeah, um, it is. You can get this on iTunes. Yeah, but it, the twist at the end was fucking stupid oh, yeah. as well. <laughs> fucking piece of shit. No, bye. Okay, I'll give you a second to calm down whilst I talk about my number seven. It's Eat Brains Love. I know this is on your... 
I'm pretty sure most of my the rest of my list is on your list. Pretty much. Um, eat brains, love. What should we do? Should no, we... We'll, we'll carry on the way we're doing Okey it. Okie Um Because I'm sure we both have different things to say about these. Eat brains, love is a horror comedy from the director of Idle Hands. It's essentially a road trip zombie film. Uh, it doesn't know what it wants to be. It, it it's it's based on a novel, I believe. Yeah, a young adult. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's just... Again, someone's watched Zombieland, Shaun of the Dead once. Thought, oh, do you know what? I'm going to make horror comedy. And this is what we get. A film with an ongoing joke about how a lady is a lesbian because she has a wrench. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. Ugh. I just don't even know what to say about it. Again, it's not very memorable. Um... I don't know who was meant to be likeable in this film. Because, I mean, frankly, none of the characters were likeable. Um, before and after they turned into zombies, it was obnoxious. It had the humour of a 2009 R-rated Judd Apatow comedy. Um, which, you know, that's that era's gone now. Someone needs to tell the director of Idle Hands that. Um, yeah, it's just there's not a lot to say. There's not a lot to say about this one. No. It's, it's just bland. Nothing we haven't seen before. Dull. Bor- dull. Dull. I dull. found it very dull. Lots of CGI I found the blood. characters dull. Yeah, yeah. I found the death scenes dull. Um, I found the acting dull. It had the girl from... Oh, oh shit, this is your number six, this isn't is it? Number oh, there six. we go. So, yeah. There we go, Chris. Number Here six. So my number say? six is uh, <laughs> Eat Brains Love. Yeah, just really stupid and boring and dull and I, I don't I don't know who is it for yeah I get this young young adult novel business I, I understand that and you get I just knocked my glasses off I'm so fuming um, <laughs> but what do they understand this if it's trying to be a young adult film like Twilight or things like that what's with the excess gore and swearing and yeah it's that's not gonna get itself a twelve A. No, you know? it's. I feel like it. It should have been. I've never seen the Twilight films, but I feel like Twilight those films deal with horror in a different way. I yeah, don't know. Have you seen I've them? seen them. Yeah, they're, like, they're shit as well. But... but if you if you're going to be geared towards that audience, mm. if you're trying to get that money, which I'm assuming is what the novels did and I'm assuming the novels did quite well um I, I, I probably wasn't a young adult I mean essentially time. Twilight's a gateway into horror for young kids yeah you know, any yeah. one of any young age could but watch it's, those it's taking it's taking these preset horror tropes yeah. from werewolves and vampires and turning them into a romantic story for a particular age group yeah, and the for thing a is, particular audience yeah. this is what this film should have done yeah, taken this could the have zombie done tropes you know put forth by George Romero many many years ago we all know them and put them into a young adult situation which is what Warm Bodies did this is essentially Warm Bodies rehashed mm. but with a lot of gore and swearing yeah but, you know, that but doesn't... The, the gore was shit. Yeah. Um, CGI, if I remember right. Yeah, the, the, I found the actors dull. Yeah. Real pl- plain. They had no charisma. No, at no all. charisma. No, I didn't enjoy it. Well, our 
my number six is the same as your number five, I there believe. We go. Yeah. What film's this, Chris? This is Dark Encounter. <laughs> which I wasn't I wasn't hundred percent sure whether to put it in the horror. Um It's a horror in the same way alien genre. abduction is. It's an alien abduction film. Um, you know, so it's massively sci fi. But horror as well. You're meant to think they're coming for this family. We are going to spoil this film. So if you are going to watch Spoiler. it, then... You can't talk about this film without spoiling it. Forward on about five minutes if you don't want Dark Encounter spoiled for you. And I'll come back and listen when you've watched it. If you want to put yourself through that. Straight up, the ending of this film. The, the premise is a girl is kidnapped. And this whole town's blaming it on aliens. The ending of this film reveals that the aliens want to clear their names. So they actually, the reason they're coming down is like, hang on a minute, no, no, no. We didn't abduct this girl. Your uncle's a paedophile. Um, you're welcome. That's basically it. Yeah. The film ends with a news report of people saying, how do we thank these aliens? Fuck off. Really? Before we watch this, what were the, what were the words used? It's bonkers, a dark film. No. It's shit. It was, um, I think there were comparisons to uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Just real. It's boring. It's boring. It was very, very dull uh, from the get-go. Nothing really happened. No. Apart from the odd, you know, very cliched alien encounter. A CGI green man in a photo frame reflection. Oh, my God. Just... And then you get to the end... And you think, shit, what's happened to this girl? Turns out, aliens didn't abduct her. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. It's so to what, catch a predator. But then you're like, so were there no aliens? Was just all, you know... No, there were aliens. They came down to town then. No, that's Look. what I mean. I mean yeah. That wasn't me. No, but when I got to the end of the film, watching it, when it was, you know... I was like, so were there no aliens? Is this not an alien film? You know, is this about paranoia? Is it about... You know, what What are we trying to say here? Yeah. You know, could could we look at it in a different context? That the aliens in this film, in real life, could be, you know, the alien, um, you know, in all our lives. Or, I, I don't know what it was trying to be. Maybe I'm thinking way too much into Imagine it. Imagine the film makes put that much thought into it. But that's <laughs> but that's what I mean. I was like, what are you trying to say here? You're 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 trying to make out as if you're a proper grown up film. You know, you you've got some actors, quite well known actors. Mm-hmm. You're trying to be a very serious film here. Um, what are you trying to say? what you're trying to say eventually is that aliens do exist, but they don't abduct people. They just tell you that your uncle's a murderer. Yeah. And that. And I'm like, well, shit. What the fuck? Yeah. What does, that, what does that mean? It was essentially to catch a predator with aliens. It was. And it was just... About an hour in... Just fucking stupid. About an hour into the film, you get a uh, transition through space... Via that CGI. Made no, that made no sense. So anyway. Yeah, just randomly out of nowhere. The acting was horrific. Because they were trying to do, they were trying to make a serious film. These actors were trying to take the whole thing seriously, when it was just dire. The mm-hmm. dialogue was dire. It was. It was genuine. It was very, very bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to whoever made it. You just. You failed on every part. 
Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? The more talking about it, the more I think it should have been up on my list. <laughs> but it was just... You must have spoken something when they wrote that. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's, um, again, that's, that's all that could be said about Dark Encounter. It's just... What was number one? A failed alien reduction. That was number six on mine. Mine's number five on mine. So, number five on mine, uh, I never fried first film. Uh, It's The Black String, starring Frankie Muniz. Uh I'm going to try and remember the plot of this film. This is probably the most forgettable film on my list. Um, If I remember right, I think it was Frankie Muniz has sex, and then we get a metaphor for an STI. which is basically some sort of possession thing linked to a cult, if I remember right, surprisingly. Um, yeah. We get Frankie Muniz talking like he's 12 years old throughout the whole film. Um, like, some of the things he was saying was just like, you know, how is, was this written by an adult who thinks this is how kids speak? <laughs> like, why is Frankie Muniz still playing a child? He, he Fra- m- no, Frankie Muniz must be. My age. Yeah, but the director clearly wanted him to play a child in this. Mm. Um, yeah. Horrendous dialogue. Made absolutely no sense. Had a terrible soundtrack. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a really bad soundtrack, actually. Just really, like, plenty of emo songs to add to the edginess of it all. I do, do you know what? It's not on my list, because I probably forgot about it. Yeah. Really forgettable. Apart yeah. from Frankie Muniz finally being on a uh, film screen. Yeah. <laughs> After all these years since Big Fat Liar. Um, was I'm, he Big Fat Liar? He was in Big Fat Agent Liar. Cody Banks yeah. Too. Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to go next on my number four because I think your number four is the same as my number three. Okay. Um, so my number four is In the Tall Grass, a Netflix original film that you didn't see. I didn't know. Uh, it's a Stephen King adaptation, and it's essentially people walking around in grass for an hour and a half. It's fucking bullshit. You've got Patrick Wilson in this, who who's fantastic in the Conjuring films, fantastic in Insidious. This I don't know what happened to him. He's got a big stupid fucking mustache, um, and he keeps talking about how he's rocking out with Jesus Christ. It's a bit of incest in it. Um, yeah, someone, uh, the main girl gives birth, the brother pulls the baby out and he's like, freshly baked, straight out of the oven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, he, he's talking to her about, I don't know if, um, he's meant to be gay or whether the actor's gay or, I, I'm not sure, but he's like, I hadn't know a lot about women's bodies. I'm like, oh, <laughs> good one. You, you're gay. Great. D- yeah. It repeats itself over and over again. And that's all that could be said about In the Tall Grass. So that was a film? Yeah, it was a film. It wasn't a mini-series? And no, How long no. did it go on for? An hour and a half or an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, it okay. Was, yeah, it's just... Was that like Netflix? Yeah, Netflix original. Oh, so my number three and your number four is Hal House Free, The Lake of Fire. <laughs> Oh we God. watched this last night. We did watch this last night, so it's still pretty fresh. And yeah. Well, I say still pretty fresh. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to forget it. 
That this is awful. The first Hal House film is one of the best modern fan footage films. It's scary, it's effective, it's it in many ways it's original. The the concept of what they went down, um, you know, acting like a haunted house experience went wrong, you know, and it's like a mockumentary. That sounds a good film. It's really, really good. Yeah. Second one, Jump the Shark, it was disappointing, repeating a lot of what the first film did. This one Nothing could prepare us for this. I just... I don't... And it's the same critique of the uh, second film. Is that how are you going to do this any different? No, they repeat the same thing. It, it's going to be the same scares. It's going to be the same premise, really. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so wh- why bother? Wh- why bother? Are you trying to make... It's insulting to an audience to give them exactly the same yeah. thing... And try and tell them that it's, you know, new and fresh and, you know, you take their mini off them and the poor bastard watches it and shit. Well, it's like, what was Might scary? Well watch the first one again. Yeah, it's like, what was scary in the first film? The clown turning his head. Oh, what damn. do we get in this film? The clown turning his head. Oh, what was scary in the first film? Those people in cloaks. What do we get in this film? A shit ton of people in cloaks. What was scary in the first film? That's creepy piano music. We get it plenty in this film. It's just, what's the point? It's the same shit. It's so lazy. This, I could not believe this is from the same director of the first film. This is so, so lazy. There's a title card in the film where they, um, they're explaining about this character um, and how she found ghosts in the back of her pictures. And it says the following images were pulled from her social media. Not were, were. Yeah. That's How lazy. fucking lazy can you be that you it's, can't correct a spelling mistake? Have you not watched the film back? You've put this out on Shudder, which is a very well-used horror streaming format. This is a Shudder exclusive. I'm shocked in Shudder. They've watched this and thought, Do you know what? Yeah, we're going to put this out as an exclusive. Yeah. No. This is not finished. This film isn't finished. Like... It thinks because it's a found footage it has to have camera glitches every few seconds. That, I didn't understand that. Because you're setting it in 2018. Who's... And that there were digital cameras. It's because it's paranormal, isn't it? They're ghosts are fucking making around shit cameras. cameras. I mean, the cameras that they're using, they wouldn't do that anymore. It's... No. And then, you know, you get so many flashbacks to the first two films... To the point this could give Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 a room for its money. Yeah. I'd argue there's probably more flashbacks in this than Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Because it's every few minutes. Yeah. Every few minutes. When they go somewhere where something happened in the first two films, you get flashbacks to what happened. And they had... It's as if they had to try and remind you of the people that were in the previous yeah. two films. Well, again, spoiler alert. If you haven't watched Hell House 3, forward on a few minutes. This film ends... With, I mean, first of all, the main guy, we're meant to believe he's a good guy, but he has a large scar on his face and he has his own hidden headquarters at the top of the Hull House. Uh, he's like a James Bond villain. Um, he sacrifices himself um, into the lake of fire uh, with the ghost who's running everything in the house with some terrible CGI. And because he sacrifices himself, we get to see the original cast from the first film and they've passed over into heaven. And apparently it still uses camcorders in heaven because they're filming everything. Um, I can't believe I've had to just say that. Such a minimalist first film that 
you know, goes for realism as much as it can, the franchise ends on those characters going to heaven, being recorded in a form of found footage. Who the fuck found this footage? Was it Jesus Christ? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Yeah. How did we get to this point? And then everyone who died in this film, in Hell House 3, they all come back to life. But that doesn't matter because one character goes missing. And if you know from the first film, when one character goes missing, they are possessed or dead. This film, one character who looks like Jess Glynn goes missing, she turns up later on in the film, happy as Larry, fucking nothing, nothing wrong with her. Very lazy. It's so lazy. Very cheap. And it, it, it's insulting to put stuff like it this is. out to the audience. Especially off the back of the first two films. Where the first film was pretty decent. Yeah. Well, I'd say we'll do it for a full podcast episode one day, but You'll we're not putting ourselves through that. My number two is same as your number three. Yes. The most offensive film of the year, Ugh. Ghost Killers versus Bloody Mary. This got a wide release by Warner Brothers in Brazil. Yeah. Is it Brazilian? Yep. Yeah. It's essentially a bunch of amateur ghost hunters going to fight Bloody Mary in a school. And we get jokes on AIDS, um, yeah. sexuality, mm-hmm. race, abortion, gender, age, and child molesting. Yeah. We get a uh, unborn baby wanking off into someone's face. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I'm all for black comedy. But the first principle of anything that go any sort of comedy that goes to a, a darker area is you have to be fucking funny. Yeah. If you are not funny, if it doesn't make people laugh... It's just offensive. It's just stupid. And now, if you're a film like this, sort of attacks everybody, (laughs) it's offensive to everyone. Yeah. So even more so, just have to be fucking funny. And it wasn't. It wasn't in the slightest bit funny. It was stupid. It was immature. It was repetitive as fuck. So boring. So boring. Went over and over and over the same shit. It genuinely insulting to even make this film, let alone release it. I was surprised that Fright Fest put this on. I yeah. really was. I'm really surprised that they watched this film and thought, you know what? Fright Fest has quite a uh, diverse audience. Let's put on something that will offend every single person in the room. And it's not that we're easily offended. It's just that this film... This film... It it attacks everybody. But it doesn't do it in a funny way. It's not funny. No, it's not. It's like, oh, here's something about AIDS. Here's something about child molesting. It's not funny. the, The whole thing was that somebody... I think somebody died and their blood was there. Mm. And it was like, hope he hasn't got AIDS. Really? Okay, you know, maybe a slight chuckle at that one. Oh, oh did they go there? Oh, my. But then you just kept making the same AIDS yeah. joke again yeah. and again. Oh, 
Oh, OP yeah. hasn't got AIDS either. And then they talk about say? fucking the kid that they find. Uh, I don't understand it. It's, ugh. I nodded off slightly. It's a disgrace. It's, well. it's honestly, it's a disgrace. Because it wasn't only offensive, it was offensively boring as well. Yeah. Just, I don't, oh, no. Awful. Awful. I was was honestly surprised when other films beat this to my number one worst film of the year. I really was. Um, But yeah, some films are even worse than that. What's your number two? My number two is We Summon the Darkness. (laughs) So I put that quite a bit higher than yourself. Um, I don't don't know. I I think it's maybe just... What's that actress's name? Uh, her name is Alexandra Daddario. I'm so sorry, hun, if you ever listen to this, <laughs> but Texas Chainsaw 3D may be the worst film I've ever watched. <laughs> it, it makes me angry. I just think it's terrible. And just the sight of her face, <laughs> I think maybe that's what made me rate this so much higher than you. I, I, I hope I meet you in real life and I hope you're a real nice girl and I hope <laughs> I do hope you have a, a, a lovely fulfilling life but Jesus Christ I am never watching a film with you in ever again <laughs> I really thoroughly dislike you as an actress I'm so sorry um, but yeah We Some of the Darkness was just had an interesting premise and just ruined they just ruined yeah. it yeah they just ruined it in every aspect. And Johnny Knoxville can't act for shit. No. I don't know why he's... He wasn't even in it that much, really, until towards the end, sort of. Um, but his face was there on the poster. Um, yeah, I didn't get it. I didn't understand what they were trying to do. Well, um, before we say our number one, I finished a list of some uh, honourable mentions. Okay. So these are films that aren't necessarily horror films, but made it into our worst films of the year. You've got less than me, so you go first. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna say one, um, and then go on just a little bit of a tangent. Um, so it's Madness in the Method. Yes, this is on mine. So this is the directorial debut of Jason Mewes. Jason Mewes, uh, of Silent Bob, and Jay and Silent Bob. Jay and Silent Bob fame. Um, this film was awful. Really, really awful. It wasn't funny. It wasn't interesting. It was quite offensive. I mean, so offensive. How many fucking gay sex jokes can you get into one? And I'm not easily offended. I, I'm not. But oh my God. Like, it's just a real tirade of... People being the butt of the joke, yeah. either because they're gay, because there are two characters, gay characters in it, or the joke being, oh, you suck a cock, or, you know, you, you enjoy balls on your face. But over and over and over and over again, yeah, like, oh my God. Blake Harrison playing a stereotypical gay... That, News yeah, yeah, and like, and it's one of those. If you're not a gay actor, you can't do that. No, you can't. Even Danny Trejo did it. because you're making fun of people who are like that. I mean, I know people who are camped. Um, like you, know, I watch RuPaul's Drag Race, twenty four hours a day. Love it. Love camp mm. as a concept. Um, but if you are a straight bloke and you are. 
making camp the butt of the joke in a film written by a straight guy yeah then that's just that's just fucking rude yeah that's just rude i just, I just thought really cheaply made not funny acting was shit Right, um, the, story, the story made absolutely no sense. I don't know what he was trying to say. Trying to say something about, you know, method acting or being true to yourself. Well, it was shit. If that's you being true to yourself, please don't make another film. <laughs> because it was really, really bad. And a, a, a slight tangent. A lot of our worst films of this year, we watched at Fright Fest. Yeah. And I, I do think it's a bit harsh because we, we go every year and we, we love the experience of going there and of of course you know we're not going to be pleased with the films 100% of the time some of the films we go into we haven't even seen a trailer no you, you know it's a decision we make and we've watched some fantastic films um at fright fest over the years i mean my favorite film of well one of my favorite films of last year 2018 we watched at fright fest yeah. climax you know Real masterpiece. Um, so that it's not... It's going to sound like we're being really harsh towards Fright Fest. And we, we love going. It's just this year was a particularly bad year where we watched some god-awful films there. So I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, you can't please 100% of the people 100% of the time. Um, it just happens that this year no. was pretty bad. What else is on yours? Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Honourable dismensions. Uh, the Kitchen. Yeah, I, that's I, on mine. I thought that was really bad. Yeah. Really bad. And such a waste of talent. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really boring. I thought it was convoluted. Um, unnecessarily... Harsh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a disappointment. Um... My most disappointing of the year... I think it's both of ours, uh, both of our least favourite films in general. So it's not the worst film, but it's the most disappointing film. Oh, the most disappointing film. For me, was Terminator Dark Fate. Yeah, Because it should have been a lot better than it was. Absolutely. And um, I think the Terminator, as a franchise, uh, should have probably died at... Two? two yeah two? yeah really yeah yeah it, it was just um yeah just really disappointing i was just watching it i was like oh you could have done this so much better um i don't understand the characterizations um particularly of you know arnold schwarzenegger yeah um but yeah uh, but the wor- worst, uh, worst film, film of the year. Worst film of the year is... Cats. Cats. Of course. <laughs> Cats. <laughs> we spoke a little about it last week, yeah. didn't we? They, they've uh, actually re-released this now with uh, updated graphics. Hun, that's not really going to change anything. I was going to say, so what? So you don't see Judy Dench's wedding ring? Like, the graphics were not the worst thing about it. The worst thing about it was just everything else. Like it's just shit in general. Yeah, and we've pretty much had confirmation now that um, it's bombed. Was it Evan Rachel Wood? Um, yeah, as she said that she it, it messes out most of the characters of the yeah. So so we, I, I think they have gone, uh, skew with on, um, yeah, the uh, story, compared to the musical, the stage musical. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, cats, just dire, dire. Yeah. There's so much been said about it, I don't know if there's anything more to be I, said. I do think, I, I, I think maybe we're just um, I think, kicking a dead horse now. Yeah, and I think it's the same with our number one of the worst number horror films of the year. worst horror film. For both of us is Black Christmas. Black Christmas. As we spoke about last week, this is a film that wants to be a feminist horror film, but absolutely fails on all levels. Yeah. PG-13 dull kills, no comparison to the original. We actually watched the original on Christmas night, as we do every year. And it's so hard to believe that this even tried to compare itself to that. It, it's r- ridiculous. It it is ridiculous, and one of the re because we watch some low budget films. You know, I I, I can't see, you know, something like Killer Sofa, having a huge um, budget. No. You know, but something like this, you've got the backing of Blumhouse. You know, Blumhouse are doing really well. Put some. Real money they behind put get out. it. Oh, they, they, you know, they've released an Oscar-winning film. Yeah. So, to to have sort of everything on your side and create this is just ridiculous. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's we we spoke about it last week, and a lot's been said about it. Real, really disappointing. We watched the trailer, and we weren't exactly. The trailer gives away the whole film. It's... But it did give away the whole film. It really did. There were no twists. No. There was nothing interesting. You know, it, it was insulting to men and women. Um, it, I don't know, insulting to audiences. It tried to be something new and fresh and it just failed. Yeah. Completely. Yeah, very disappointing. I really hope they leave the Black Christmas name alone now. There doesn't need to be anything else released under it. Yeah. But that's our worst of the year. And now we have 40 minutes to discuss our best of the year. Is that it? What? <laughs> we're, on fif- we're on 50 minutes. 50? Oh, bloody hell. And we only have an hour and a half. So, <laughs> our best of the year. Start us off at number 10. Number 10 for me is Haunt. So this was a Fright Fest film that unfortunately we didn't get to watch at No, Fright sold out of Fright Fest. It was. Um, and there was quite some hype around it. Yeah, yeah, but... Ultimately, really fun film. Yeah, I, it was, it was a horror film. Had a good concept, and it remembered to be fun. Yeah, like yeah, like horror. Fi- you know, horror films. You're either gonna be scary, or you're gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. You know that's why I watch horror films. This is both. This this uh, yeah yeah. But it, it was a fun, it was a fun film to watch. It was fun. It um, had a really and, good twist. Really yeah, really good twist. Really good twist. Really good premise. Uh, likeable characters, good gore. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, really good. Uh, my number 10 is It Chapter 2. This was a film that took me a while to realise how much I actually liked it. Um, we were fortunate enough to get a quiet screening on opening night. That's very rare for a film like this. Um, but, you know, it has... It's just, It's been debated actually, amongst the LGBT community um, as to whether this is positive or negative of gay representation. I'd say it's positive because it's not afraid to show, you know, stuff that actually happens with the controversial opening five minutes. That stuff goes on, you know, with the two gay guys that get beaten up. That, that happens. This film didn't hold back. Um, it it's sad that a lot of screenings have people laughing at that scene. Um, I know I was in a, I went to a second screen that I walked out of, 
um, where people were laughing at that. And uh, yeah, but it's, you know, I think it's a very bold move. Um, the film as a whole, it's a fitting conclusion to that story, I thought. Um, I thought all the adult actors were fantastic. The guy who plays uh, Eddie, he looks exactly like in the guy from Sinister. I thought Bill Hader was fantastic. Jessica Chastain was fantastic. Took me a while to warm to uh, James McAvoy, but uh, you know I think he did a good enough job. And of course, Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise, he was born to play that role. It, he's perfect in that role. Um, yeah, I mean, just some cheap-looking CGI bits, but it kind of added to the charm of it, I thought. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good conclusion. I believe that's further down on your list, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. further up. Uh, further up. Yeah. Mine... Uh, oh, no, you go next. I'm yeah, sure. my number nine is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yeah. Another film that was at Fright Fest this year. Yeah. And this is how you do horror for a younger audience. It is. It this is. is how it's done. Yeah. Um, it keeps the interest. It's got a great premise. Um, it's got some likeable characters and it's got some genuine scares. Yeah. Um, the most famous being the, the, what do we call the woman in the red room? Uh, I have no idea. The large lady in the red room. The large lady. Um, you, you probably recognise her face. Uh, we haven't read the book. No. Actually. Um, but you know, this took me back to Goosebumps. You know, I used to watch Goosebumps when I was younger um, are you afraid of the dark? You know, those sort of shows that introduced young yeah adults to horror. Yeah, this is how it's done. Very well made. Um, yeah, and and I'm hoping for a sequel. Yeah, I hope so. I, I think it was it was. Left I think open, it did fairly well. It? Yeah. Yeah, I think it did fairly well, but this you know this is how it's done. Yeah, really. Yeah. Good. My number nine is Doctor Sleep. Uh, another Stephen King adaptation. And I was amazed that somebody could make a sequel to The Shining all these years later and it's actually good. That's incredible. Uh, obviously, you know, The Shining's one of the greatest horror films of all time. This doesn't quite reach that level, but it's still very satisfying. Very satisfying sequel because it feels different. I mean, you look at Hal House, you know, we spoke about all three films are the exact same. This has its roots from The Shining, but the film itself, it could, you could look at it as a completely different film. It's so different. Um, you know, uh, they've recast the actors from The Shining. I think they did a good job with that. The guy who plays Dick Calloran, oh my God, he looks, and sounds identical to him. Um, fantastic villain. Uh, female villain. There's a scene in it that was actually quite hard to watch with a child murder. It, yeah, it hits all the spots. It's a really, really good sequel and really good horror film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. It, it's a bit higher up on my list, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so my number eight was It Chapter Two. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like what Gary said. Uh, an enjoyable sequel. Not as good as it chapter one, um, but I found the actors did a good job. Um, yeah, bit a bit. Um, it's Bill Skarsgård. 
Pennywise, yeah. Pennywise, yeah, did a, a, an excellent job. Uh, some genuine scares in there. Yeah, a good film. Yeah, I think the imagery is very similar to A Nightmare on Elm Street in a lot of it. Yeah? Like, um, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, you can see the influence is definitely there. They should definitely let the director of these films do the next Nightmare on Elm Street film. And they want him to. Yeah. Uh, he's, I think he's practically begged. Him and the director of Doctor Sleep as well. Really? Yeah, they both want to do it. Which I could see either of those directing the Nightmare on Elm Street film and doing a really good job of it. Because mm. the director of Doctor Sleep made uh, Haunting of Hill House, which we haven't seen yet, but that's very well received. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it has been, actually, yeah. Any more to say on it, Chapter 2? Not not really. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, these are good films, and all my top ten are good films. Um, but it hasn't overall been the best year for horror films i i feel 2019 um there's been some standouts real standouts um but overall it's it's been good it's yeah. been good you know i think is a good film the real standouts are ones we're getting to our top five uh, absolutely i mean my yeah so my top three probably yeah which are i think films it... that i would sort of watch again yeah i think our top four is the exact same yeah um my number eight is bloodline uh which i was a, a bit of a surprise i didn't know much about it um but uh we didn't get to see it at fright first we watched the legend of the stardust brothers instead <laughs> yeah. which is one of the greatest films of all time <laughs> um but my friend Luke saw it and he, you know, he really hyped it up quite a bit. So we watched it when it came out on VOD. And I thought it was so well made. Um, it's essentially Sean William Scott um, playing a psychopath that goes around killing people that pisses him off, basically. Yeah, essentially. Um, he thinks he's the moral compass. Yeah. And it's Blumhouse. Um, they're... I mean, compared to Black Christmas, fucking hell. This yeah. is incredible. <laughs> it's it's essentially very Jalo-influenced, um, very Brian De Palma-influenced as well, uh, which is always a good road to go down. I thought the gore was incredible. The practical effects in this are amazing. Uh, the cinematography is fantastic. Uh, over, and the twist at the end, two, it had a, tr- a double twist, and both I never saw coming. Um, highly recommend, and definitely not spoiling this one for you, I highly recommend you check it out. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was all right. <laughs> so my number seven choice is Come to Daddy, which is uh, um, another Fright Fest film. Yeah, it's the opening film. Starring, yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, starring Elijah Wood. Um, yeah, he just, I think Elijah Wood did a very good job. This is a film. very well-made film. Very, uh, very well made. Very film. well, yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming it's going to get some sort of... It, it is, it's being released on DVD. On DVD, yeah. So, uh, as it should, because it, I did I did think it, it took the themes and ran with them really well. Yeah, this is how you do a horror comedy. That's dark comedy. Yes, yeah. You know, this was genuinely funny and genuinely scary. It was a good film. Really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Elijah Wood, fantastic. But then also really interesting, the, yeah. you know, the way that it... It, some good twists as well. Oh, fantastic twists! Um, that I didn't see come in, and which which is always it's kind of 
an indicator of a good twist is when you truly don't see it coming, but it still makes sense. Yeah. Because sometimes, yeah, sometimes you don't see it coming because it's like completely out there and you're like, um, what, so the, the aliens are telling them that, uh, <laughs> their uncle's a yeah. pedophile? Um, so yeah, but, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. It's not on my list, but I completely agree. It's a very, very good film. My number seven's Haunt, actually. Oh, nice. Um, this, one thing that needs to mention is that this was produced by Eli Roth, and I think this proves that Eli Roth is such a better producer than he is a director. Um, Eli Roth directed a lot of lackluster films that have an age very well. But when he gets his producing credits in, you know, he's, he's really good at it. Um, this is, as Chris said, it's just fun. It is really fun. Um, you know, all the horror tropes are there. This a great twist. So much great gore. Practical effects, you know. So much suspense. It's a fantastic film. It's really, really good. Yeah, I think that's pretty much... Just watch it. Go watch Haunt. Yeah, yeah. Just try and find it. Uh, number six is one that I just had a little nose at Gary's list. And I cannot believe I forgot to put it on. So I've just... Have quick, you changed it? I have just changed. What was your original? Well, no. <laughs> so I've just changed oh, it. Oh, so both mixed, of our number six. Mixed it out. It's Child's Play. How can I forget <laughs> this when I wrote my list? I want to know how my number five isn't on your list. I'm very shocked. Um, but yeah, no, Child's Play. The Child's Play yeah. remake sh- should have been shit, really. Yeah, yeah. And, until, e- even with, um, what's the mum's name? Oh, um... Uh, or, or, Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Um, when she was announced, I was like, ooh... Okay, interesting. I originally, um, I, I said there's both both of our number six. Um, could, we both enjoyed it way more than we probably you know thought we would have because when this was first announced, I had no interest. I wasn't even going to watch it. I had no interest at all. Were you a team the other guy? Don Mancini, yeah, yeah. Because he there's no need to remake it. You know, he's the last two Charles play films were some of the best in the whole franchise. You know, the curse and quarter Chucky. He's got a TV show on the way. I thought, there's no need. There's no need to remake this. What the fuck are you doing? Then when, you know, the design for Chucky was announced, I was like, oh, okay. He looked a little weird. Yeah, and Aubrey Plaza, I was like, oh, okay, I'm sold a little more. Mark Hamill, I was like, I am fucking sold. Mark Hamill as yeah. Chucky. That's fucking perfect. And then we saw the trailer, and it, it, again, I was like, oh my God, I need to see this film. And it didn't disappoint. It was fantastic. Yeah. Because it did what a good remake should yeah. do. It took the first film, took elements of it, mm. but made it relevant to a 2019 yeah. audience. The same as Suspiria did last year. Exactly. Yeah. Made it feel fresh, but also a remake. Yeah. You're taking the basic premise. So in this one, it isn't, you know, Brad Dourif doing voodoo, and it's technology, technology. like, okay, you know, come on, sold, you know, this makes it fresh, makes it modern, you know, the, the certain elements of the film, you know, we've seen time and time again, um, 
But as a remake, it does a really good job. It's a lot. It's really a lot more. Job. A lot more camp. Yeah. Like the whole uh, your favorite eighties kids on bikes. Yes. Thing. Um. You know the whole kids fighting back in the store at the end. It's fucking so good. The comedy's great it was in fun. it. It was a fun film to watch. I mean, Child's Play has never been a straight up horror film. It's a horror comedy, and they still nailed the horror comedy in yeah, this. Exactly. Um. Mark Hamill. Was, just incredible. He was very good. Because... It's tricky. You know, essentially, in the original, there's the good guy doll voice and Brad Dourif's voice, two separate things. This is all in one. This is Mark Hamill doing everything, and mm. he does such a good job of it. Um, the kid in it, the kid from Lights Out, he was fantastic. Um, yeah, everything about it was so good. Yeah. My number five yeah. is Doctor Sleep. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this film. Um, I, I love The Shining, and I'm glad it wasn't just a rehash of The Shining. Yeah. It did something new with it. Um, I thought Rebecca Ferguson was fantastic. Yes. I thought she was really, really good. Um, it's a shame that she won't see any awards sort of come her way. Ewan McGregor was a believable uh, yeah. Danny Torrance. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, yeah, a, a lot of the reasons you, you enjoyed it is because it did, it it felt like it stayed true to the original film. Because mm-hmm. this, this was a sequel to the film, um, even though the, the novels differ. Um, like, for example, in the original novel, uh, novel Dick, Dick Halloran doesn't even die. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I mean, so they had to yeah. work around that. So it is a sequel to the original film and should be seen as a sequel to the original film, I, I feel. Yeah. Um, and I think they did a really good job. I mean, that entire third act in the Overlook Hotel, fucking incredible. The yeah. the recreation of the Overlook is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, it's not every perfect. Sp- it, the Overlook Hotel was. Yeah, yeah. Like, but I mean, the, the film oh. itself isn't perfect. Yeah. But really, really good. You know, it, it, it's not quite at the standards of Stanley Kubrick's original, but not a lot of horror films are. No. So for what they did, well done. My number five, I am so shocked this isn't on your list, is Happy Death Day to You. Why isn't this on your list? It was alright. It was so much more than alright. This film, oh my god, this is how you make a sequel. This is so good. Again, Christopher Landon, you know, he's a fantastic director. He's also gay, doing it for his gays out there. Creating camp horror films. Um, Yeah, it's fucking so good. Like, this could have been bad. This could have easily been bad because, you know... It takes the same premise as the first film, but it makes it so complex. Like, they add so many more new elements into it. And Jessica Roth, oh my God. That is up there with some of the best performances of this year as the lead girl. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? No. Really? It's all right. That scene, all there's right. a scene where she gets to speak with her dead mom and it even had me welling up. It was, oh my gosh, she's so good. So, so good. There's an entire sequence set to the music of Hard Times by Paramore. It's just a great slasher film. And I really, really want to see more from these films. It's a shame that it's been confirmed that this would be the last one. Uh, I hope that changes because I love the first film. Love this film even more. Yeah. 
Great film. Okay. And now, our top four are the exact same. And exactly the same, in yes. the same order. In the same order. So, number four is Bliss. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the best film we watched this year at Fright Fest. Yeah. Um, well, no, that's number three. <laughs> oh, of course, oh, of course. Nearly the best film. Oh, excuse me. The sec- Yeah, nearly. Uh, but Bliss is going to get a Blu-ray release yes, in the UK. Really deservedly so. Um, who's the director? What did he do? I'm not... I feel like he's got a history in horror, but I wasn't really sure I'm who entirely was. sure. Have a, have a look. The, it basically is a vampire film. The most original vampire film I've seen in so long. Um... You know, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the start, it's like the style of Climax, but with vampires. Um, it's, the cinematography is phenomenal. Um, it's dark, it doesn't afraid, it, it never gets, it's never afraid to get too dark. Um, it's batshit crazy at some point. Yeah, points. it really is. It, it goes off the rails in the best way possible. The performance by the lead actress. Yes. Um, so good. So good. She, really good. She, she pretty much lays it all out there, yeah. don't she? Yeah. Um, so essentially she plays a struggling artist mm. um, who needs a bit of inspiration. Gets bitten by her friend. Yeah. Sybil Danning. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like Sybil Danning. And she's basically turned into a vampire. Gets involved in a lot of drugs. Makes you feel like you're on a lot of drugs. Yeah. Um, I think the whole thing is a metaphor for drug addiction. Yeah. Um, and c- creative inspiration yeah. sometimes comes from dark places. So it can be looked at, you know, on another level rather than just a horror film. I, I really, really thought it was very good. Yeah. I loved the style. It reminded me of Climax... Um, yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the the camera work and that's spiraling. It, it felt like an experience more than yeah. anything else. Yeah, and it's not. I, I feel like maybe some people would find it headache inducing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it it's an acquired taste. Yeah. It's an acquired taste. I think it was filmed on sixteen millimeter, if I remember right, and. It looks insane. It, it looks so good. Get it on Blu-ray when it comes out. Did you find out who the director is? Yes, Joe Bagos. Mm-hmm. Also directed Almost Human. Um, it's, it's got a bit of a history. Almost Human, The Mind's Eye, VFW. I've never heard of any of these, if I'm being honest. Okay. Um, but yeah, he seems to have a history in uh, the Horace genre. Just I'm not I'm not familiar. Well, our number three is Ready or Not. Yes. This actually got a wide release, and I'm so happy it did. It did. We were, we ended up watching it twice in the cinema, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, and we knew what it was going to be. It was screen and scene at Odeon to give you hints as to what the film's going to be. We knew what it was. We took our friends to go see it. This film is fucking incredible. It's so good. This is how you do a feminist horror film, Black Christmas. <laughs> yeah. This is a feminist horror film. This... And Bliss. Yeah. Both of these films. You know? How the fuck did you get it so wrong, Black Christmas? But this, for me, ready or not, is a perfect example of a horror comedy. Yeah. That remembers to not only be a horror film, but remembers to be funny. Yeah, I mean, the premise is so good. 
you know, uh, a woman marries into a rich family and as a tradition, they have to play a game. It ends up being hide and seek and they all hunt her down and she has to escape from them. It's so simple, but it's so good. Mm. So, so good. Samara Weaving is a new favourite actress of mine. She is so, so, so good. Um, everything I've seen her in so far. She looks a lot like Margot Robbie. Yeah. Um, yeah, she gives a hell of a performance in this film. Yeah. Yeah. Really does. Really, really well made. So does Andy McDowell. And good old Andy McDowell. Love Andy McDowell. Um, the aunt in this film is hilarious. Yeah, the highlights of the film. He remembers to be funny. It's so camp as there well. There were some laugh out loud moments. It's so camp. It's so dark. It's the perfect blend. Yeah. Fantastic twist ending. Uh, so much gore as well. It's just so good. So good. It's an 18 here in the UK. It's very rare you get an 18 rated film these days. Um, but that's because it doesn't hold back. It, and it's very... It's directed by Radio Silence, who did the Haunted House segment in VHS. Um, and it's very reminiscent of Your Next as well, I found. It's mm. very similar to that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I love films like that. I love films of a strong female lead fighting away from uh, crazy rich people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I had a lot to say about class, I found, as well. Yes. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Incredible film. It'll be released on Blu-ray next year. It's already out in America. Go watch it. Number two? Number two is Us. Yes. The official new master of horror. Yeah. Two and one on this list. Two and one, actually. Both of these directors yeah. are the most exciting names in horror these days. Yeah. Jordan Peele. Uh, does Home Invasion like no one's done Home Invasion. Yeah. It's bizarre. So fucking good. Just a real... And it, for the, for a film like Earth, it relies on the actors. Yeah. And every single actor does a fantastic job. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o, um, especially, is so, so good. She plays two... I mean, they all play two roles. But yeah. seriously, give, give Lupita Nyong'o an Oscar nomination. Oh, so good. Um... The, the husband, he was good. The kids, the kids yeah. did a great yeah. job. Um, the premise was really, really interesting. Uh, the, the twist was good. Yeah, so much great imagery. Yeah. In it. Um, scary. Yeah. Um, really thought-provoking as yeah. well. Funny. Like, like Jordan Peele's previous film yeah you know so much social commentary um so much so much but so many nods to you know other horror films as well like the fairground at the start is uh the same as one from lost boys you know it's it's fucking incredible jordan peele is clearly somebody who loves the horror genre and wants to work within it but also be able to wants to use the horror genre to give his voice yeah to you, you know we we could all sit here and, and write a horror film that's just scantily clad women mm-hmm. running around a sorority house yeah you know we, we could all sit here and you know as fans of the genre um and it would be the same as you know a hundred other films um but for him to be able to use the horror genre to speak 
about real things mm-hmm. is, is really genius. And the fact that he just has African-American lead characters as well, that's so rare in horror. Yeah. You know, it's not often you get that. No. In this film, you know, you've got an African-American family at the centre of it and then you have a white family as the side characters. That is never the case normally. No. And I'm so glad that someone's doing it because, you know, there's no reason why that shouldn't be happening. No. And I think that's why Get Out was so groundbreaking as well. Um, Because it wasn't afraid to address it. No. It wasn't afraid to turn around and say, do you know what? We're sick of, you know, the old trope of, you know, the ethnic minorities being killed first in these films. That actually, that's that's make these the heart of the story. The soundtrack to this film, like who thought I got five on it would ever be scary? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that song. It, yeah, everything about it, so perfect. Yeah, really, just really well done. Yeah, and that is already out. If you haven't seen it already, uh, our honourable mentions before we get to number one. Oh um, yeah, mine are Burning, fantastic Korean film. Um, so these are non-horror non-horror films Booksmart uh, completely reinvents the teen comedy uh, I found yeah perfect LGBT representation Uh, it doesn't even it does it without making it a big deal like the lead character is a lesbian that's it there's no no big deal about it that's it you know, it's I funny. think it's funny. It's funny so funny. Well. Carrie Fisher's daughter's in it and she does an amazing job. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm so glad the supporting, um, supporting actress uh, award for Golden Globes, um, the friend in this film has been nominated for it and I'm so happy because... I can't remember her... It's I can't remember her name. I, yeah. I swear, it's something to do with her being... But I can't wait to see what Olivia Wilde does next because this is incredible. Yeah, really well done. Yeah, this is the this is the kind of film I wish was I could watch when I was younger. Mm. You know, when I when yeah. I was a teen. It's such a great age. example. It really does. Yeah, I wish this was the kind of film. Um, but we enjoyed it. Um, um, Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, I was gonna say for me. Um, it's been a really good year overall film. Oh, for films, yeah, in general. Horror films, like I said previously, it's there's been standouts, but overall it's been a bit, eh, you know. Um, but I think film-wise, we've watched some terrific films this year. But you mean, I mean, you look at our four-to-one choices um, on the top ten best horror films of the year. They're made like actual films. Like, they're made yeah. with love. That You can tell there's... Been so much thought put into the filmmaking of them. It's part of this new, new renaissance of um, well-made horror films. Yes. Um, yeah. That's come about, you know. So, yeah, I, it's filmmaking is uh, in within horror is improving a lot. Mm. Um, Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. My second favorite Quentin Tarantino film. It's amazing, beautifully made, such a love letter to sixties cinema. And uh, uh, surprisingly, a lot of uh, a lot to be said about the spaghetti westerns, the Italian westerns um, of that time. Yeah. As well. Yeah, really great story about a time in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, Doesn't really focus too much on the Manson family, which that I was, thought... That's what we were wary of, wasn't it? Yeah. I thought it would be a bit sensationalist, and it wasn't at all. No. Tarantino no. turns history on its head yet again, like he did with Inglourious Bastards, uh, and that makes for 
the most entertaining 10 minutes in cinema this year mm-hmm. the final 10 minutes of the film it's incredible Brad Pitt Leonardo DiCaprio does a great job but Brad Pitt steals the show Brad so Pitt's much Brad Pitt's fantastic Margot Robbie is mesmerising as Sharon Tate she is so good she doesn't have a lot to do in it but she's so fucking good yeah Endgame Endgame it's you know Avengers Endgame is the best conclusion to the MCU I mean, technically, Spider-Man Far From Home came after, which was also good, but this is the real conclusion. This, three hours, it, it didn't feel like that. Um, you know, perfectly structured. This is what an action blockbuster should look like. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah. Then, yeah, fantastic performance by it Robert Downey Jr. It did everything it needed to do. Yeah. And more. And, yeah. Joker. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a film that's very hyped up and very, very, you know, well-deserved. Uh, what word am I looking for? Well-deserving. Yes, very well-deserving, hyped up. Of all the hype. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously very inspired by Martin Scorsese. Um, this, yeah, this was just great. A perfect character story. Um, of a famous villain and it really did it justice yeah, Wacky and Phoenix again, is incredible made it feel modern in, yeah. in, in a, a lot of, and I know it was set in the 80s uh, it was set in the 80s wasn't or it? the 70s it never really says does it I feel like it was the 80s if I'm being honest okay. I, I can't remember why um, forgive me if I'm wrong but it felt like it covered very modern issues yeah um, and it felt real. And it, it's a fucking... It's based on a comic book character. Yeah. But felt real and felt very honest. Mm-hmm. And not... Not... I, it didn't feel like it judged the character too much and allowed us to make our own minds up. Yeah. Um, it's something, And it, it's the biggest gripe with Black Christmas, and I, I, forgive me for keep going back to it, but... Black Christmas didn't allow us to make our minds up. No. It told us what we should think. Yeah. Um, Joker allowed us to take what we wanted from the film. And talking of being honest, Marriage Story. Oh, yes. I'm not even ashamed to say I was in tears by the end of this film. This film is incredible. Such a good film. So incredible. And it's so simple as well, you know. It's it's a tried and tested formula um, of a film about a marriage falling apart. Yeah. Um, but by God, did it do it well. Mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson, give her the Oscar. Oh, please. Uh, yeah. And, I Adam Driver so. as well was incredible. Adam Driver was brilliant. Laura Dunn was amazing. Yeah, as always. Everything about this film was great. It, re- it really was. just, And it felt so... So the same way the Joker did, but yeah. on, a, on a, in a different way. It just felt so real. We, I felt like a fly on the wall, as if we were yeah. watching, you know, these very real people. And, and, and I think a lot of films struggle to do that. It's true. But this one did it really well. Our biggest surprise of the year was Hustlers. Hustlers. A film that... Had no right to be as good as it was. No. 
this was just mind blowing. Um, Jennifer Lopez, what? who's very well known for being in bad films mostly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jennifer Lopez. Incredible. She it, she deserves an Oscar. Yeah. I'm sorry. And we love Laura Dern and it's going to be a difficult one. Oh, yeah. Um, if they're up against each other at the Oscars. Yeah, Hustlers is just fantastic. That is one that we can't recommend enough, you know, watch it as soon as it's released. Yeah. It's already been out in the cinema, but as soon as it's released on Blu-ray and whatnot, go for it. Watch it. Um... And then our number one film of the year overall that's not horror, which has horror elements, but not enough to class as a horror film, is Parasite. Parasite. This is cinematic perfection. This is filmmaking at its finest. Um, yeah, the least said about it, the better. And, and that is, I'm reluctant to, to really go into it. I yeah. feel like you just need to watch it. It's beautiful. It's... I, know, I know that sounds really wanky, but just just watch it. Yeah, yeah. Our number one horror film of the year is, of course, Midsummer. Yes. There is no other option. This is how you make a horror film. Everything that we said about Jordan Peele uh, in terms of him being the future of horror yeah. filmmaking, uh, a director who makes very sophisticated horror. I'd call it sophisticated. Yeah, yeah it is. Sophisticated horror... Um, but still manages to be a horror film, Ariasta is right there next yeah. to him. Yeah, he took the genre by storm with Hereditary, and then this was even better. Yeah. This was just whew, an experience. Uh, this was something. It's just, you know, a simple premise of, you know, people going on a trip somewhere, get involved with a court, but... You know, I complain that there's a lot of films that use cults in them this year, but this was different. This was so done so well. Um, it's so well made. It, genuinely scary, disturbing, genuinely so much scary. disturbing imagery. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, it's just incredible. It's it's a horror. It's what a horror film should be. Yeah. In terms of it sticks with you afterwards. Because it's so, you know, horrific. Yeah. That horror, horrific. They go hand in hand, you know. And it's a film like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre did it. The Exorcist. Um, all these real classic. And I, I think this film will be up there with yeah. them in the future. Um, because it stays with you afterwards. You don't just leave the cinema go home and you'd like, oh, that was a nice film, you know, what's mm -hmm. for dinner? It sticks with you and you think about it. And yeah. You discuss it and we could sit here for hours, you know, on the podcast going through the film like we do with the other films, um, trying to look into, you know, it as a horror film uh, or it, you know, as storytelling and what that means and what that means what that could mean you know and that's the sign of a good yeah. film well, Florence Pugh is incredible in this film she is just every every breath she gives on the screen is believable she's slowly becoming a favourite yeah. of ours but yeah that's Midsummer, and that's our best and worst of the year 
So, yeah, thanks for a great year of um, supporting this podcast and giving us time of day and uh, making us want to do it more. Yes, yeah. So I, I hope, you know, you agree with some of our picks. Yes, let us know what your best and worst of the year is. Yeah, uh, horror or, or non-horror. Yeah. Uh, next week, we'll be back talking about the films we're excited for in 2020. Uh, there's quite a lot coming out, so we're going to... Uh, have a look at those and uh, let us know what you're looking forward to as well. Um, if you are listening on iTunes, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Uh, everything else, like and follow. Uh, we're Horrorcore Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horrorcore Trash on Twitter. And I am DeadLightGaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram and GazCruise92 on Twitter. And I'm ChrisBarker823 on Instagram, Letterboxd and Twitter. And have a happy new year. Yes, have a happy 2020. Hope it starts with a bang. Yes. <laughs> and we'll see you same time, same place next week. Or next year. <laughs> Bye.